The reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 26 to 49. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do this, these things when the trees are green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching and the rulers even sneered at him and they said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining and the curtains of the temple were torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Amen. Will you join with me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this passage from your word. And we do pray as we consider it this morning that you would give us a clear understanding of who Jesus is, of why he died on the cross, and how we ought to respond to him. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. On Tuesday morning, we woke to scenes of an inferno uh, consuming the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Uh, Feelings of uh, shock, uh, even grief, were felt around the world. Uh, We don't normally feel that for the uh, burning down of a building, but this was no ordinary building. Uh, Constructed in the 12th and 13th centuries, Uh, It uh, was a triumph of medieval uh, architecture and engineering and has been a source of uh, awe and admiration 
uh, for countless people for uh, uh, a number of centuries. And indeed, it uh, uh, was one of the landmarks uh, which make Paris, Paris. Uh, it's the kind of building uh, it is. But it's not just the building. The cathedral has been home to priceless works of art and also to items that are referred to as being religious relics. Uh, you see, in the Middle Ages, uh, there was a lucrative trade in objects which were claimed to have come from the crucifixion scene of Jesus. Uh, there were countless uh, religious relics that were available for sale to the highest bidder. And demand, uh, from, particularly from wealthy people in the Middle Ages, was very strong for this because people believed that by possessing these objects that uh, somehow that they would be blessed uh, through those objects, which made such people vulnerable to those who profited from this lucrative trade. It was a roaring trade. Most of the supposed relics, of course, have now uh, long since disappeared. However, Notre Dame Cathedral uh, was still home to a few. Uh, a fragment of timber from, allegedly, the cross that Jesus was crucified on. A nail, uh, which allegedly had been hammered through the uh, wrists or the ankles of Jesus to hold him to that cross. And the crown of thorns, which allegedly had been on the head of Jesus. The uh, supposed crown of thorns was purchased in, uh, in the 13th century uh, by uh, the French king, King Saint Louis. Now these have become items which people um, worship. Uh, even now they worship these items, especially the crown of thorns. In fact, as fire engulfed the cathedral, uh, there were people who risked their lives to form a human chain uh, to, uh, from, uh, to, in order to save uh, these relics of the cross from the flames. And well may we respect their courage. However, rightly understood, it is not we who save the cross. Uh, it is the cross which saves us. And by the cross, I don't mean any crown or any nail or any wooden fragment that was traded uh, to wealthy people in the Middle, e Middle Ages. Uh, instead, it is the event which we remember today, the death of Jesus on the cross. But why did Jesus die on the cross? And how does his death on the cross save people? Uh, especially people living here in Australia in the 21st century. Well, this morning I want us to take our minds back to that very first Good Friday, the Friday which we read about uh, on your uh, service sheets. And when you think about it, uh, if you or I had been there, what would be the things which we would remember from that day? I think it would be uh, impossible for us uh, to not remember the uh, sheer um, injustice and the brutality that took place on that occasion. 
Crucifixion was an horrific uh, way of executing people. Uh, nails were pounded through the arms and through, through the wrists and through the ankles of uh, the victim uh, so that his body was fixed to a wooden cross lying on the ground uh, which was then raised upright. Uh, his body would, would have uh, slumped uh, uh, because of the weight of his body. It would have slumped downwards uh, so that uh, he couldn't breathe, so that he would have to push upwards with his legs uh, in order to breathe. And inevitably, uh, hanging on the cross uh, in the heat of the day, through the cold of the night, without food, without water, the victim... Uh, would lose the strength to push upwards with their legs and so eventually would die from, amongst other things, asphyxiation. If you and I had been there, that image would be seared into our minds. And yet, the account written by Dr Luke barely mentions it. Uh, in verse 32, if you care to look at those sheets, the verse numbers are written there for you in small print. In verse 32, uh, Luke simply says that when they came to the place of execution, which was called the place of the skull, he simply says they crucified him there. Uh, Luke says nothing about the physical pain and the physical suffering, which is interesting given his, his, his profession being a medical doctor. Instead, Luke's emphasis is actually not about the physical pain, but rather about the issue of being saved. Now picture the scene. Uh, Jesus at his trial had already been um, brutally beaten and tortured and now uh, driven along by Roman soldiers to the place of execution, a large crowd has gathered around him and was following him to that very place. And then from verse 32, hanging from the cross... In excruciating pain, uh, he is now flanked by two criminals uh, who are also being executed, also being crucified on that day. When we read the accounts of Luke's life, of Jesus' life, um, for example, in Luke's Gospel, it's hard not to be uh, profoundly impressed by what Jesus did. Um, the miracles, the astonishing miracles which he performed. He healed the sick uh, with, with just a word or just a touch or uh, the, the deaf, the blind, um, people who were uh, paraplegics, crippled people, people suffering from leprosy. He raised the dead to life on at least two occasions. And he claimed to be able to forgive sin. The people <clears throat> who knew about Jesus, the people who gathered around him, were absolutely enthralled. They were amazed. They were astonished at the things which God was doing through Jesus. But now things have changed. Take a look at verse 35. On the cross, as, it, as he was, the people stood watching him and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. 
You see, the Old Testament prophets had foretold the day when God would send his son into the world. And God's son would actually be the king, the ruler over God's people. And now the Roman occupiers were having a laugh as the king of the Jews hung before them on a cross. We see that in verses 36 to 37, where we read, The soldiers also came up and they mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And then there were the two criminals being crucified. Uh, In an appalling end-of-life cynicism, in verse 39, one of them turned to Jesus and hurled insults at Jesus, saying, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Do you see, the people, the the leaders, the the Roman soldiers, the the criminals, uh, they had one thing in common, didn't they? They all believed that uh, Jesus was the one who needed to be saved. And they also believed that he didn't have a chance of doing it himself. But not everyone was against Jesus. Because hanging on his own agonising cross, one of those two criminals realised that there was something that was special about Jesus. Now see how he rebuked the other in verse 41, where he says, We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserved. But this man has done nothing wrong. Now, that criminal uh, did not understand just how true what he was saying actually was. That Jesus had done nothing wrong. Because unlike us, uh, Jesus had always obeyed his father. Jesus had never sinned. And yet... It was God's will for Jesus to die. Remember, I think it was about nine months ago that the world uh, witnessed a a very audacious and ambitious uh, rescue operation. Remember, there were 12 boys in Thailand, uh, members of a soccer team, and and their coach uh, who'd gone caving one day and uh, unbeknownst to them, the water's had risen and they became trapped inside that, uh, that flooded uh, cave system in Thailand. Uh, it was a, a dreadful situation and it took the world's most highly trained, highly skilled, highly experienced uh, divers and uh, global resources, which I understand in total amounted to about 10,000 people uh, were actively involved in that rescue, in that saving operation. And the boys in the coach were saved, um, but it did cost one life. Friends, the death of Jesus was the greatest rescue operation in history. You see, the Bible says that we all sin against God. Now, we often think of uh, sin in terms of um, the, the actual wrongful things which we do. Uh, such as lying, such as um, stealing, such as um, 
committing adultery and so on. Uh, and indeed, one glimpse of our newspapers tells us that things are not right in the world, that the result of our uh, sinful behaviour means that we live in a world that is not uh, as God intended it to be. But these are just symptoms. These are symptoms of a, of a, a deeper problem, a root problem, uh, which the Bible says is that we have all, in our hearts, we have all turned away from God. Uh, that we, when we take an honest look at our lives, uh, we know that uh, even though we may believe in God, that we simply don't, um, we don't love him. Uh, we don't uh, obey him. We don't uh, honour him in the ways that we should, uh, no matter what our outward behaviour uh, says. And it's that inner attitude which the Bible calls sin. Um, a, a doctor friend of mine was, had studied to become an anaesthetist. I always struggle to get that word right. Anaesthetist. I, they, I tell, I'm told that they're actually thinking of changing that name to something else. Um, but anyway, he told me that in studying to become an anaesthetist, he once had to sit for an exam and the pass mark for that exam was 100%. How about that, eh? When you think about it, I, I think that's fair enough. <laughs> if he is going to put my body into, you know, zombie zone, <laughs> uh, while someone else cuts me open and does things internal and gets paid a fortune, I don't want him to say to me, sorry, I mucked that up, that was part of the 5% that I failed. Now, 100%, that's what he should have to... What is the pass mark to get into heaven? 50%? 51? 75%? When I was at university, I once passed a subject with what was called a pass conceded. I think I got about 47%, but they thought, we'll push him through anyway. What's the pass mark to get to heaven? Try 100%. And that's because God is 100%. God is 100% perfect. God's heaven is 100% perfect. People often think that if they just, if they just try hard enough, uh, if, they, you know, if, we, if I'm just... If I just try to be a good person, pull myself up by my bootstraps, or if, if I do enough religious things, if I worship relics, and if I, if, that somehow that uh, I can be good enough or religious enough for God to let me into his heaven. But we all fall short of God's standard, which means that we all deserve God's judgment which is why we need to be saved. When Jesus died, something very astonishing happened. We read about it in verse 44, if you'd like to follow. It was, about noon, it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. 
Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Now, we could spend all day unpacking that, but the sun stopped shining. How about that? Middle of the day, darkness. The symbol of God's judgment covered the whole land for three hours. It was a symbol of God's judgment for when Jesus died on the cross, judgment was taking place. Jesus was being judged. Jesus was being punished by God, not for his sin, for he had none, but for ours, for your sin, for for my sin. You see, if Jesus had saved himself on that day, who else would have been saved? Nobody. Not me, not you. Nobody. He could have come down from the cross, but he chose not to save himself so that the penalty for sin would be paid, that people, even you and I, would be saved from God's wrath. This week, um, people risked their lives to save supposed relics from the cross, but it is actually the cross which saves us. For by Jesus' death, our guilt is paid so that we might be forgiven by God and saved. Now, actually, on that particular first Good Friday, there was one person, at least, who we know definitely was saved. And that, that is the other criminal on the cross. Because after rebuking Uh, his cohort in crime, Uh, see what he said to Jesus in verse 42. He says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There he was, on the brink of death, and rather than ending his life in cynicism, he ended his life in faith. He trusted in Jesus for forgiveness and receive those words of assurance. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now what about you? Do you have that assurance? The day Jesus died was one of profound darkness. And yet we call it Good Friday. Because God now offers forgiveness. God now offers eternal life for anyone who turns to Jesus. Like the criminal on the cross. (laughs) He may not have been religious. He definitely was not good. But he faced up to the truth. The truth which confronts each one of us. Which confronts us even today especially today, that we need a saviour. So can I ask you then, have you put your trust in Jesus? For it is not we who save the cross, it is the cross which saves us.
through Jesus' death that we can be forgiven. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for uh, Christ, for his uh, commitment to obeying you, that he never sinned. We want to thank you, Father, for his commitment to us, that though he could have saved himself from the cross, he chose not to, so that sinful people such as we can be saved. Father, we pray for each one of us here that we would consider uh, the claims that Jesus makes and his death on the cross and that we would rightly respond with faith, with repentance and with thanksgiving. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.